Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to Birmingham Live's Birmingham City podcast, Keep Right On. I'm Brian Dick. And I'm uh, joined this week not by Alex Dickin, who is away on his uh, on his gallivant, but by a, 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 a name and a face that you'll all all know, and a voice probably you'll recognise more. BCWM's Birmingham City reporter Richard Wilford, and uh, I describe him as Birmingham City reporter. He's obviously so much more than that. He, he watches. Something like 60, 70 games, 60, 70, probably even 80 games a season, some seasons. So, uh, Richard, hello and thank you for joining us. How are you? Yeah, I'm not too bad at all. I mean, it's certainly been an interesting few weeks, Brian, hasn't it? So I think we've got plenty to talk about. We have. Let's let's uh, lay the table straight up. Um, and I know for, for regular listeners, this will be sort of covering old ground because they, they know what I think about an unnecessary change and uh, a very contentious appointment. Where are you with, uh, just let people know what your thoughts are with what's happened over the last three weeks. Yeah, probably not too dissimilar to where you and Alex are in that there still is and there never will be any footballing reason why the decision was made to to take John Eustace away from a first-team squad that he was developing, in my opinion, rather nicely. Uh, the two victories prior to his departure suggested that things were heading in the right direction. Bit of a sliding doors moment. I mean, what if Wayne Rooney got DC United to the playoffs? I guess the change wouldn't have been made then. And if he'd gone and won at Middlesbrough, it would have been even harder to make the decision. We then kind of have to compartmentalise that. And Wayne Rooney, having been told what he's got to do, has got to be given a chance. And yeah, his track record at the moment is open to debate in terms of what he's achieved at Derby County, what he achieved at DC United. But I think we all have to give him a fair go. He's committed, he's passionate, he wants to get the job right. But the growing pains, the teething troubles, I mean, they're pretty sore, aren't they? They are indeed. And, and obviously, you know, we there's some supporters, and you and I travelled the country watching this happen firsthand. There's some people who will, the wounds will still be raw from what happened in Ranzola. We don't necessarily need to cover old ground, but that is a, certainly what's happening now. And the way people are reacting, because reaction has been extreme, the way people are reacting, I, I think, is almost reopening of... of of that old wound, although you have to accept that, you know, circumstances are very different this time. Just want to um, lay the table a little bit and uh, go through some running order. Um, things we're going to cover today. Um, obviously, we are three games now in, into into Rooney's Blues. Uh, and I think that Richard will agree there was a notable change of uh, strategy and tactics at Southampton. So we'll discuss yeah. that a little bit. Um, we'll probably kick off, I think, with with some good news. Um, with uh, last night's news that Jude Bellingham had picked up a a Ballon d'Or award as the world's best player under the age of uh, of twenty one. And again, both Richard and I saw pretty much every game Jude played for Blues, and, and uh, I think it's uh, it, it's obvious to describe us and probably anyone else with a connection to Birmingham City as as massive Jude stands. A um, couple of other things we'll go go on to. Interested in Richard's thoughts on Emmanuel Ayew's debut that debut at Southampton. That was a uh, 
probably the biggest call of the, that Rooney's made so far in, in in terms of team selection. I'd like us to discuss what makes it all better. Uh, is is there a formation or a, or a strategy change or you know even the inclusion of a single player that 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 really kicks this on exponentially? Uh, now I'm going to take one one solution off the table straight away, and that is. Uh, turning the clock back, time travel, or indeed reappointing John Eustace. That's not where we are now, so we're just going to have to deal with the with the current situation as it is. Discuss about whether this squad and this team can play no fear or open football. And uh, I'd like to ask Richard, because Richard uh, speaks to the players um, at, at the end of matches, does, does post-match interviews with them, and he's spoken to three so far, one after each game. And I'd just like to ask, ask Richard, what sort of noises are coming back from from those players? So, uh, yes, let's start off with the good bit, Rich. Uh, what are your thoughts about Jude Bellingham's ascent to the uh, to bestride world football the way he does, and uh, what makes him special? Because you, you know, for me, I referred to him when I first saw him as as a generational talent, even at sixteen, uh, and I still still have yet to come across a hurdle he can't clear. So what, what are your thoughts about what's Jude, what Jude is achieving at the moment? Yeah, I mean, what he's achieved is second only to his scriptwriter, who's doing a, a <laughs> stunning job. Um, I mean, I go back to Portsmouth when he made his debut as a false nine and the first ball that came to him that had been punted 60 yards, comes over his shoulder, he kills it on the instep and starts running at his defender. And you think, OK, this is a little bit different. We spent that year having to trust ourselves a bit that what we were seeing was something entirely out of the ordinary. And from that point on, he hasn't really made a misstep. The choice of going to Dortmund with their history of developing players, the promise that he was going to play football, captaining that team in the Champions League, and then to do what he's doing in Madrid, culminating in those two goals in the second half of, of El Clasico. I mean, it's just ridiculous, isn't it? Young, still the youngest yeah. player in the England squad, by the way. Um He's just a remarkable young man. He's got his composure. He's got the self-confidence as well with that celebration. You know, if Cristiano Ronaldo was doing it, we'd say, well, that's quite an arrogant way of doing it. But it's catching on. All the Madrid fans want to do the same thing. So, And it's really hard to begrudge him, isn't it, Brian? We, we spoke to him a bit, you know, not too much because he was a young player, but when he was playing for Blues, and he's always been grounded as well. Absolutely. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's... It would be easy to be jealous or, you know, wait wait for the fall or, you know, the, the, the bump in the road that's inevitably going to come for a, for a young player. But Jude conducted himself with, with such, I know modesty is probably not the, quite, the word, quite the right word, is it? But he was so respectful and, and he was such a good, good young man, you know, the, the sort, of, sort of lad you'd, you'd be thrilled of, you know, being being called your own son, not because of what he's gone on to achieve, but just because of his values and the way he can, way he conducts himself. And um, yeah, I what 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 I think is probably the 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 abiding quality for Jude Bellingham is he's he's perfect. He doesn't have any flaws. There's, there's no weakness. Um, he's he's athletically superior. He's technically superior. He's, uh, you know, psychologically or mentally superior to 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 everyone else, and and you know, I just I just can't see anything that can stop him, Rich. Um, it's that there will be a bump in the road. Maybe it'll be an injury, or you know, maybe it'll be a a subpar for poor performance with the national team that will will throw a curveball his way. But you 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 wouldn't. I mean, you'd back him to cope with any with all of that, wouldn't you? 
Yeah, I mean, you would. Obviously, the higher the pedestal, the further he's got to fall and the keener that people are to push him off it. Uh, I think that would be one of the challenges he's got ahead. And and being in Madrid can make that even harsher. If he has a run of a four or five weeks where he struggles for Real Madrid and they're not getting results and, you know, the, the daily need to fill newspapers and column inches with what they're doing there, that will be tough. But he, but he has always kept his feet on the ground. Um, he was the best player in training when he was at Blues. He's been probably the best player for England over the course of the last 12 months. And now this accolade at the Ballon d'Or, it, it, it all fits. Um, what can stop him? You're already right injury and you hope that isn't going to happen. Um, but, but so far, it's it's proper storybook stuff. Yeah. yeah. My favourite Jude moment, I'll ask you for yours in a sec. My favourite Jude moment came in a Birmingham City shirt, predictably. Um, away to Barnsley on, on, you know, that that was a match that did exactly what away to Barnsley on a Tuesday night says on the tin. It was rainy. It was it was a dour game. Uh, a Blues player sticks a ball, appears to be running out for a throw by the corner flag, and everyone in the stadium is given up except for Jude Bellingham, and he takes 20 yards out of the defender, knocks a guy off the ball, beat, beats another defender, and then finds Scott Hogan in the middle to score what turns out to be the winning goal. That was... That to me was Jude Bellingham in, in a nutshell. Uh, as I said earlier, physically superior, technically superior, and you know a, a man for the moment. Albeit he was probably only a boy for the moment at that stage. Your favourite Jude moment? Uh, there's two that are not about his skill, but about his attitude. One was a home game when Blues were up against Alexander Mitrovic, and Mitrovic <laughs> decided to try and intimidate Jude, and Jude went chest to chest with him. And at the end of it, you could see a grin on Mitrovic's face as if to say, OK, the kid will stand up to me. And the other, of course, Sheffield Wednesday away. Now, whatever had gone on that led to oh, Gary yeah. Monk departing Birmingham City, Jude, for 65, 70 minutes, was outstanding in what was otherwise a pretty grotty game at Hillsborough. And then a bit of afters between him and Gary Monk when he got substituted by Pep Clotet as well. And I just love the fact that that as a teenager, the new boy, he was going to stand for no messing whatsoever. And that's something, again, that he's carried forward. You can't... And that sort of grit determination is on top of the, the, the quality of his football. Yeah, indeed. Right, we could probably talk talk for the rest of the uh, rest of the hour or three quarters of an hour about Jude Bellingham. Probably not why many people tune in to to listen to us. So, I, Richard, I'd like to turn to Southampton now. Um, third game in three for Wayne Rooney. Third game in a week for Wayne Rooney. Um, again, ended in a defeat, three one three uh, one loss. Uh, could have been different. Had a couple of refereeing calls gone Blues way. Uh, but a different setup, and and I think probably you'll agree a different approach to the game. Um, did you see any progress after two pretty uh, morale sapping defeats against Middlesbrough and Hull? Did you see any progress in that St Mary's? And certainly, one of the messages that had come through from the players was that that they didn't feel that comfortable playing out from the back. So we saw that they'd been given licence to be a little bit more direct. That might have been part of the reason for Lukas Djukovic being played as the striker in the hope that he could hold the ball up a little bit. Uh, and yet in the second half, they did play out from the back a bit more. Dion Sanderson and Emmanuel Ivo, for whatever reason, took it upon themselves. And Wayne Rooney, after the match, was, was rather surprised by the fact that they'd done that for a five or ten minute spell. But it's going to be a real slow process with that. Um, 
there was more commitment. I think the midfield three knew their jobs a lot better than they had done in the two previous games. They weren't losing runners to the same extent. And that against a very talented Southampton team where they needed to keep that discipline. But still a big gap between the midfield three and the front three, particularly in possession. So it made it really hard to retain the ball. And, and that's where Blues have got a long, long way to come if they're going to play this sort of football at the moment because they can't retain possession. Yeah, I did... Uh, did do a quick stat check before we came on uh, and uh, just looking at at uh, John Ruddy I suppose you know when Blues have the ball it's, it starts off with the goalkeeper um, against Middlesbrough John Ruddy only only uh, sent 13 long balls forward um, against Southampton that was 26 uh, and we counted them all up for the rest of the team and the numbers were similar there were slightly fewer uh, against Southampton but the, the Sorry, yes, slightly more long balls against Southampton, but I think um, I think what I would say is that with Djukovic up there, there did seem to be a slight change of emphasis. What um, Rooney took some criticism for sort of letting the lunatics take over the asylum a little bit after his comments against Hull by saying by kind of asking the players what tactics they're comfortable with. Now, Alex and I both felt that you know. That repeating the same thing and expecting a different outcome was was the definition of insanity. He is right to be tailoring tactics to available players, isn't he? I think you have to, and of course he didn't in the first two games. And this is part of the mess that's been contrived by the board's decision, in yeah. that you can't suddenly go from playing a very specific way that you've been doing successfully, and arguably that the squad was built to do, and then say, well, actually we're throwing all of that out the window. And we're going to do this differently. And actually, Wayne Rooney himself has been guilty of almost being dismissive about the way they've played before. That it was all soak up a lot of pressure and hit on the break. Well, if that was the way that the players were set up and that was effective, then you've got to be careful about how quickly you move away from it. He almost needs a hybrid system at the moment that's somewhere between the two whilst they school the players in the things that they need them to do. Because, yes, a lot of teams who do well in the Championship are playing... That sort of style. Burnley were a 4-3-3 last year, but you look at their fullbacks, you look at the quality of their midfield, the extraordinary wingers that they had, yeah. and Rodriguez playing as an inverted striker. Well, Blues are a million miles away from that at the moment. So it, it would have been easy for him in a way to say, well, we'll carry on doing what we're doing while we learn this on the training ground. It feels to me like he's almost under pressure not to do that. And that's where you end up with a storm where if they're not careful, things will spiral out of control in the next two or three weeks. Yeah, Rooney, um, he said something on Saturday that I didn't like, actually. Uh, he, he mentioned the fact that, uh, that yes, yes, they were, Blues were six when, when he and his team came in, but they're only three points off 12th. Now, that didn't need saying to me. You don't need to throw shade on, on what, what's gone before to justify, you know, what's going on now and, and try, try and try and mount the argument that look it wasn't brilliant beforehand and you know we're probably where we should where the team should be I didn't think that that needed saying and you know I, I do think he's not been as anything like as disrespectful to to John Eustace as Gary Cook was uh, but I just think he needs to be a little little bit careful there um, because playing with semantics and numbers and statistics that's not really his friend at the moment because the no. the real the real statistic is played three lost three scored one. Yeah, and 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 the, the the bottom line is that we all don't understand that if this season isn't about promotion, and it never has been the message from Tom Wagner. Promotion this year wasn't the message when he did that that recorded interview with with the club earlier, you know, when he 
first took over, it was much more about a bit of progress and become more entertaining. And maybe they were doing that. Whereas this project, and here's a question for you, Brian, because this is the bit I don't understand about it. They've appointed Rooney the moment that he was available once DC United failed to make the playoffs. He, he had his last game in charge and then he's appointed. It had been mooted in the last transfer window. Yeah. So, hold on a second. If Blues were concerned that they weren't going to get Wayne Rooney unless they jumped straight away, who was it that was going to take him? Which was the brilliant job that he was going to get if Blues decided to wait a little bit and let things reach their natural conclusion with John Eustace? Where was he going? Yeah, well, I mean, the the answer to that is um, people who hire managers want different things from those managers, don't they? And this was clearly a play for headlines. Yeah. Um, you, you know, I, I know, I know we, we're covering, you know, well-trodden territory a little bit, but as you, as you said at the top of the show and as, as Alex and I have been saying all, all the way through, you know, you will not convince me that, that Rooney had a better footballing credentials than John Eustace. Uh, in, in terms of in terms of management, um, but also <laughs> the, the owners of the owners of, of uh, getting the other side of the coin, aren't they? The, when, when Rooney was appointed, Birmingham City was all over the back and front pages. It was all on the BBC website. It's, it was on the yellow strap line at the bottom of Sky for days. Um, now, Birmingham City is still getting a lot of attention from, from you know those very uh, high profile publications and, and outlets. But it's not good, and everyone's knowing. Everyone now knows that uh, exactly how Birmingham City are get on, are getting on. Whereas previously, you know, may, maybe would have gone under the radar. And it was even, you know, I illustrate that with the fact that uh, is it the real football podcast that um, Alan Shearer, Micah Richards, and Gary Lineker do? They were discussing Wayne Rooney and 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 his struggles and the the potential of going to Leicester to see Jamie Vardy on there. So. You know, blues. This this negative this negativity that that is is doing doing the rounds, and you know, and on on quite high profile publications. That's the side. That's that's the side of Wayne Rooney, and and that's what you get when you bring someone like Wayne Rooney to the club. These struggles are going to be amplified. Um, yeah. And, and, but so, yeah. see, what, 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 the, what the issue is for me is that is this about football or is this about marketing? Now, if it's just about marketing, I'm sure Knighthead are brilliant at that. Uh, I'm sure they're fantastic. They've turned around companies. It's magnificent. Okay, I'll repeat the line that I mentioned. On the I know where you're going with this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on, on the football phone in this week. If you want loads of Insta hits, if you want to be massive on TikTok, if you want world renowned, we've learned this year that what they should have done is appointed as their new manager, Taylor Swift. Because the NFL have had this massive bounce, more female followers watching the sport than ever before because she's going out with the tight end of the Kansas City Chiefs. So Taylor Swift in as manager, that would be great. Stephen Knight doing a new drama with Colleen Rooney going solving crimes that have never been solved in the West Midlands. I mean, that is how you get marketing hits and that sort of thing. But football fans want winning football on the pitch. And that's the thing that you've got to get right most of all. Otherwise, yeah. the honeymoon will not last the entirety of this season. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, it's, um, yes, as I say, every, everything's amplified. Every, everything's, to, to borrow a phrase from uh, from a, a very popular no, um, film of the 1980s, this amp goes up, this amp goes up to 11, doesn't it? Um, and that's very yeah. much the... the, the, the the case uh, with what's going on at Blues at the moment. Which is harsh on Rooney because he can't get on yeah. with his job undercover 
as it were, because we can't judge him on these three games. We know what he's been asked to do. We know how he intends to do it. We know who his coaching staff is. And it's going to take a long period of time. But he's going to do all of that in the massive spotlight that's been created. And absolutely, you know, the championship, we're now, now no longer in pre-season. The championship will not wait for Rooney to get it right at Blues. Uh, and, you know, they've, they've already slid, slid five or six or seven places down the table. Um, the Blues haven't taken any of the last nine points available. Um, and, you know, teams are starting to, to, to haul them in. Um, you know, I'm not pressing the panic button at all. Um, but... You know this this experiment. There's a there's no there's no guarantee of a of a happy outcome, and b, um, you know the, the the lab conditions will not remain the same. Um, they're only going to get more and more difficult. Um, Richard, one of the changes that was made at Southampton, a, a, an important selectoral change, was the um, the introduction of Emmanuel Ivo. Um, in for Kevin Long, uh, Rooney had said. I can't remember if it was before the match. Or presumably it was before the match. So he said that he was unhappy with the, with, um, the two centre-backs. Um, and it was Kevin Long that paid with his place. What did you make of uh, Ivo's first start in championship football? Yeah, look, there were positives about it. And there was some concern in that, you know, you look at a couple of the goals and the marking in the penalty area was not ideal, uh, to say the least. But he's quick. Uh, he can cover his fellow centre-back really well. He's pretty comfortable on the ball. He took one or two risks that he maybe he shouldn't have done. He's not the tallest, but he's pretty strong in the air as well. So it was encouraging. And actually, it was probably a little bit overdue to see something of him um, in that John Eustace was loath to rotate his defence and, and it was defending first. Uh, but he'd only had like three, four minutes on the pitch prior to this, having come in as a reasonably heralded loan signing. Plays with a bit of charisma, actually. I thought he had a bit of personality about him. I like players who've got some personality. Uh, and he's desperate to impress. And Wayne really made the point that he'd really knuckled down on the training ground since he arrived. Yeah, indeed. Um, and I wonder if his selection, you know, was just another small step along the way um, of the great Rooney experiment to finding the pieces that, that will help him play the kind of play out from the back, you know, get ready playing into the into the defenders, into Bielik and, and then up from there. Although, you know, I, I thought in the previous two games that it wasn't necessarily the, the, the issues playing out, didn't necessarily lie with the defenders. It was what was ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, I, I think against Hull, Bielik would, Bielik would look at, take possession, look up, and there was no angle from Bakuna or Mayoshi, you know, the two eight stroke tens to then come and, to then come and take the ball. Um, so it's it's not just about having the ball playing Franz Beckenbauer like uh, centre back uh, in your team, which enables you to play more complicated than that, isn't it? Yeah, it's about personnel, and and the most difficult part of his four three three to fulfil at the moment is that midfield three. If we accept that Bielik probably can do that role. In the first game, he had Sunic and Gardner and they were so wide, they were leaving holes and they neither of them looked comfortable yeah. in their roles at all. Uh, Miyoshi playing that deep is wasted because his good touches and his ability to spin and turn and play it on the half turn, you're negating all of that when you play him as one of well, as almost three holders. Uh, so there are fewer attacking players on the pitch when you play that way. Yeah. I thought J Jordan James had a better understanding of the position at the weekend than some of the others did. And Sunjic was also better at the weekend than he had been in the Middlesbrough game. But but it isn't ideal at the moment. Bakuna, of course, was suspended. He probably comes back into it. But I don't think they've got a natural trio 
to play in that position at the moment. And and even in January, I mean, they can not spend a lot of money, but they might be able to resolve it by bringing in a player or two. But there's not a lot left. And if you look at the injured players, would you see George Hall in that line of the team or do you see him in the higher mm. line of the team? Probably the higher line where they're going to be overburdened with players. Yeah, indeed. Um, yeah, so which which is a neat segue in, into uh, into my next uh, the thing I next want to talk about, Richard, is what makes it better. You know, pick pick a pick a team or a formation or a single player or you know stick a plaster over over this for us. Uh, I, I've come up with it with a formation and a personnel, which uh, I'd be interested in, in your thoughts on. Do you, do you want to? Do you want to give us your thoughts on you know a the the quickest one or two solutions which which move move Rooney's Blues on or sh- or shall I offer you my my formation and personnel first? Well, go on. Let's let's hear what what you've come up with and, and okay, whether, so I, whether we feel he's likely to go that route. Yeah, well, he I'm sure he won't, and if he is, he probably uh, you know needs to needs to look at his his pro license manual rather than anything I say. But yeah, I <laughs> I, I just just think with with the situ with the situation defensively the with the way Blues are at the moment, they are quite open and are still it was better at Southampton, but it's still left a, a bit to be desired. I wonder if a three at the back is uh, is the way to go. So I'm I'm offering a three four two one as a, as, as a solution. As, uh, so it would be uh, Sand obviously ready in goal. Uh, Sanderson, Roberts, and Ivu as the three. Uh, now I know people would say that Kevin Long should be the next um, next cab off the central defensive rank. However, I think if you are going this way, you need to go the whole hog. Long's not particularly good in the back three, and I think if you are looking for a a central centre back to as the free man to win the headers, then Roberts mm. for me is is you know the dominant aerial presence. And I think that that would potentially that back three would give Blues most most balance. The the midfield four would be the two wing backs. I'm Cody Drame. I thought had a probably his worst forty five minutes for Blues um, against, mm. uh, against Southampton, but then he was up against a ridiculously talented. Yeah, um, I mean Camaldine. Twenty-two million pounds worth of player there. Yeah, that he's up yeah, yeah, the yeah, way. yeah. And not getting a lot of help from the player in front of him. No, so I'm going to give Drame a pass and say that he's done nothing to 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 lose his um to lose his place. So the, it'd be the two wing backs, Drame and Longello, and the, the two central midfielders would would be uh, Bielik and Sunic. Uh, so Drame, Bielik, Sunic, Longello across the middle. The two tens would be Mayoshi and Dembele. Maybe a little bit shoehorning Dembele into a non-natural position. With Stansfield as the uh, lone striker, so it's a three-four-two-one. Sanderson, Roberts, Ivu, Dramaing, Longello as the wing backs. Bielik and Sonjic as the holders. Mayoshi and Dembele as the two tens, and Stansfield up front. Richard, that makes it all better, doesn't it? Well, yeah. Now, look, look we've done enough miles <laughs> in a car together for you to know that I'm going to pull bits of that apart. Uh, for, <laughs> for a bit. start, for a start, where, where, where's the left foot in the defence? Okay. You know, you, you've got yeah. you've got a back three with no left foot now. Well, B- Buchanan comes in when Buchanan's fit. Buchanan takes Ivy's place in a heartbeat. Uh, potentially, but then you've still got Longello playing every week. Buchanan's a better player than Longello. The back four is probably better once Buchanan is fit. Uh, and we do know that Ethan Laird is now available, so he we can do. play yeah. either right back or wing back. That wouldn't be a problem. The other thing is, and, and I'm, I'm going to keep on banging on about the Stansfield enigma in that there are two separate points here. One is he's probably the best nine that Blues have got available. But the second point is he's better off than when he doesn't play there. 
in that again his goal came coming off the left hand side and, and picking up on a flick from Lukas Djukovic. When he has scored, he generally hasn't been in the nine position. And, and so you've got this quandary. He doesn't see himself as a nine. And that's where one of the balancing acts is at the moment. He is most effective. And not only that, he's very good defensively when he's playing in a slightly wider position. He's a ratter, is Jay Stansfield. He's, he's got a very rounded game. Where he's not comfortable, he's playing up top and holding the ball up and, and playing with his back to a defender. Yeah. Um, what? I think the goal against Plymouth came as sort of as a 10, didn't it? So I, I, yeah. I do, listen, I, I like Jay, I, I get what you say. I like Jay Stansfield in the central position. I want Jay as, as the cleanest striker of a, of a ball among Blues um, attacking options. I want Jay Stansfield within the width of the penalty area. Um, you know, there's been times, and John Eustace took heat for this. St. John, uh, he took heat for this. Uh, by by playing Stansfield wide on the left and and, and Hogan in the middle, I, I know what you say. He, it's, he's, it's where he's, not, he's played in his career so far, he's, and, he's and, and that's where he on. sees himself. And, yeah. and and that's that's the challenge you've got. And and really, the compromise isn't that he was playing Stansfield in a wide position. It's the fact that Scott Hogan has been so ineffectual as the centre forward. If Hogan was in one of his runs of four where he gets seven goals in ten games, and he's done that before, not much sign of it currently. I admit that then it isn't controversial to play Stansfield where he was being played. And it wouldn't be him playing on the side of the front three under Wayne Rooney. But it's because nobody can do the job of a number nine better than he can. And it's the yeah. single most obvious thing that changes Blue's fortunes at the moment is having a younger, more effective number nine who can score goals because that frees up so much of what else they're trying to do. Which the rest of the championship and indeed uh, footballing worlds are looking for. Yeah, well, well, I mean, you, you see all sorts of weird things. You see really good centre-forward sitting on the bench. Anybody who saw Albion's game at Coventry this week and you're watching Ellis Sims sitting on a bench, watching Hadji Wright play and thinking, well, how is it that way around? Yeah, so the, so there, are, yeah. there are players around. They've just largely been outside Blue's price point. That's the, that's the problem. And um, will probably be so in January, but hopefully not so next summer. Um, but who knows where we are next summer? You know, I'm, I'm taking skipping through several chapters there to getting getting towards maybe the end of the book but uh yeah I, listen stansfield stansfield up there it's not an ideal solution but it is the best solution to me at this stage um do you have a do you have a counter counter setup or uh you, you know take, take I, I, that look, dis, just take that discussion on a little bit further what what makes it better if buchanan is available him as a left-sided centre-back I can see that. I, I would be more inclined to play it as an out-and-out 3-4-3. Three, three. I think, that, again, there are a lot of clubs that do that very effectively. It takes a little bit of pressure off the two central midfielders. Uh, might even give you the flexibility to play Bakuna in there with Bielit, which has happened a, a, quite a bit. And then you've got – I mean, we've got a real good choice of wing-backs at Birmingham City at the moment when, when all four are fit. Yeah. Because I think Longello as a wing-back is a better player than a full-back. And it, we, we would all agree about that. Mm. And he's had one or two good games during this run, during Buchanan's injury. Drammy and Laird both excellent. Uh, and then it gives you more attacking players, doesn't it? In, in the, I think at the moment, instead of having four up front, which they did in the 4-2-3-1, there are only three. And, and that's one of the issues that's making it even harder for Blues to score goals at the moment. But yeah. if you've got a front three of Dembele, um, Stansfield and Burke or you know, Miyoshi there, whichever way round. And, and Blue's best football this season has been when Demle and Miyoshi have been on the pitch together. And I know it's a risky thing, but when they're both playing, 
uh, then they're a real handful. Um, that would free things up a little bit. I just don't necessarily see him going away from a back four. No, I don't. I, I think you're right. Um, and then obviously, you know, you can line you can line your players up in in whatever formation you want. It, it then comes to what you tell them to do when when they're in possession and out of possession. Uh, you know, with the best of in the world, Blues are not going to be knocking along at sixty percent ball ball retention. You know, it's going to be 50-50 at best, I would say, in, you know, in the, in the coming weeks. So half the time, they won't have the ball. And really, you know, that's been the, that's been the crack that the opposition have kind of got their fingers into, hasn't it? It's, it's, been, it's been Blue's vulnerability without the ball. Uh, and that, that's kind of made them more anxious on the ball. And when they do have it, uh, you know, it's, it's, yeah, it's just come apart at the seams a little bit, hasn't it? So no, I mean it really has, and and you know we can put all these labels at it, but any suggestion that Blues are playing with no fear, well, I think quite the opposite so far. I think they've they've played really worried about what they're doing, about making the right impression, about trying yeah. to adjust to the tactics. So they're playing with a, a sizable degree of trepidation at the moment, and again that's not going to be healthy going forward against teams who are really well organised and have been doing what they do for quite a long while, which clearly is going to be the case against uh, against Ipswich in the next home game. Yeah, indeed. Uh, the, I, I think what has been startling is is the old cliche about how long it takes to grow confidence and how quickly you can lose it. Uh, and and this, the confidence has just drained away uh, in the in the last couple of weeks. Um, so yeah, that's it's such familiar territory. Rich. I know you were quite angry after the whole game, weren't you? And you, you know, feeling that we've been here before. Um, and it is such familiar territory seeing seeing a Blues team. We've just started to enjoy a, a functional, confident, assertive Blues team, and here we are again. Yeah, no, we were in danger of having a, a sort of an enjoyable season to watch, going yeah. home and away, feeling that they're in most games, they've got a chance. Uh, you know, think of the really unlucky defeat at Preston. I know that they, they weren't quite in it against Norwich, and yet a couple of breaks go their way. They might have put a bit of pressure on. That They were in every game so far this season, and yet the three matches since, they've never really looked like they're going to get a foothold in any of them. And, and it, maybe it'll come with time, but it's frustrating because it didn't need to happen at the time. And, you know, let's not go over it again. But yeah. that's what made me angry after the whole game. Yeah, so which bring, brings me on to um, to what the players have been saying. Uh, now, for for those of us, for, for many of you who won't sort of know the... the the sort of the physical workings after a game, uh, it will tend to be that the uh, the news reporter would um, go and sit and wait in the press conference room, and, uh, and and sit while both managers come in, and then Blues tend to bring a bring a bring a player in. Uh, Richard uh, certainly at St Andrews would be sort of more, be closer to the pitch, uh, do do the interviews close to the pitch, and then and then the players would sort of file past and and he'd do his interview with with whichever players being putting being put up at on for that on that occasion for for that match. Um, so far, I think I'm right in saying we've the, the club have put up uh, Emmanuel Ivu, uh, Cody Drame, and John Ruddy was the first one at Middlesbrough. There was no hiding the fact that that, that, that the players were shocked um, that uh, that they need they needed to make it, the, but then they, they've got to sort of turn up for work the next day. Albeit they are they were shocked, um, and um, they needed to carry on and make the make the best of what make the best of of, of a situation that they'd, that they'd been dealt. Uh, Cody Drame came in after the whole game, and uh, he 
he said a similar thing. Uh, he spoke about the um, about the, the the challenge that he's got with, with you know for his place with Ethan Laird, and and that was quite interesting. And then the um, Emmanuel Ivo was quite positive. I thought speaking speaking after the um, the Southampton game, Ivo was uh, was very much. I thought he struck the right note. I th- I thought he spoke well uh, about you know he ha- obviously had to wait for his time wait for his time and he seemed very determined to to grasp his grasp his um his his op- opportunity. Richard, what what have you made of what the players have said to you about what's happened in the last few weeks? Yeah, I think they've been very careful, and, and as journalistically, we have to not try and put them in too difficult a position because they've got to uh, push on. I think talking to Cody Drame, it was very interesting that he'd already got a relationship with Ashley Cole, and uh, that wasn't something that I was aware of until he mentioned it himself, and that he's worked with him with England under-21s, and, and he feels that Cole is really good at the details, that the information that he gets from him is really helpful for his position and that sort of thing. So that's good that we're seeing uh, uh, one box ticks in terms of the coach from that point of view. Um, with Ivo, I think it's really interesting because I don't think he's enjoyed his first couple of months. I think his frustration uh, probably at times was was evident um, at the end of games when he hadn't come on or he seemed trudging off at St Andrews. But he, he handled himself well at the weekend. He talked very positively about the fact that you, you just have to handle it, don't you? There's, there's, no point, yeah. there's no point worrying about what's going on as a professional footballer. You know things are going to change. It's part of the business, and, and it means a lot to him that his performances on the training ground um, gave him the opportunity to play the game. I mean, John Ruddy, it was almost, I was almost shocked by the element of the king is dead, long live the king, about the way that he put it after the the, the game that I spoke to him, uh, in that he's been through a lot. The, the new style of play probably doesn't suit him uh, as much as it did. I think he was one of several players who decided to remain with Birmingham City this season because they enjoyed working with John Eustace. Kevin Long, clearly, by the way, in that category, because of you know, the consistent football that he got, playing the way that's his strength. But they're all trying to say the right thing. What we've seen on the pitch, certainly the whole game, we saw one or two players who clearly weren't happy. And I think Long was one of them. The incident where he's on the ground and the, the wrestling got a bit unpleasant on the ground. And Bakuna, I mean, it was a flight. Let's say it was a flighty performance against Hull. And the yellow card was hard-earned in that that was probably six yeah. or seven fouls and then some dissent that led to him getting a, a one-match ban and missing the game at Southampton. Now, in that case, it's not necessarily he's disgruntled at Wayne Rooney being there. I think he's frustrated at the fact that the system isn't working and they've gone from enjoying their football and knowing what they're doing to having to learn something new when they weren't expected to. I don't think it's anything deeper than that necessarily, Brian, but, but clearly there were players that you could see that they were wearing their frustration visibly in front of us on the pitch at St Andrews. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, and you you did say that uh, you felt that you know they're a little bit more on board at, uh, at against Southampton, yeah. and um, hopefully with you know with a week uh, a week with Rooney and Cole and John O'Shea and Cole Robinson and Pete Shuttleworth, that we'll see a more again you know a more sort of cohesive team. Uh, against against Ipswich this weekend, Rich. I want to move on to some te- some takes. We we ask uh, fans and supporters for their observations and and their hot takes uh, regarding the current situation. Uh, and it's only fair that I haven't asked them. We we address some of them. We can't get through all of them, I'm afraid. But there are some interesting ones. Uh, Ken Dasman 
Uh, thanks for getting in contact, Ken. So Ken says, uh, I'd like to ask the question, re-social attitudes. How can a nation go from praying for a metatarsal to repairing days to wishing the same person fails after two games in charge as a manager? Why isn't one of our best players respected uh, respected more rather than being ridiculed? Um, I mean, my response to that is that uh, is that Wayne Rooney is the same person, but he's doing a different job, isn't he? Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about that one, Rich? Well, it's misplaced anger in that the Blues fans need somebody to lash out to if they're frustrated by the events of the last three weeks. Uh, Wayne Rooney walking back to the tunnel area after a home defeat against Hull is going to be target number one. And, and whatever you think about Wayne Rooney and whatever you feel about his track record as a manager so far, he's coming to Birmingham City with really good intentions and with a desire to succeed. He's not involved in football coaching because he needs the money or he wants the glory. It's because he loves football and he wants to be about the training ground every day and he wants to impact players and bring through young talent. His motives, his desires for the club are pure. He wants to succeed. So having a go at him is is kind of a, a pointless exercise. Look, we do it when they are players. You think of the hostility towards David Beckham when he got sent off at the World Cup. Rooney has faced that as a player as well. But it's irrational to be having a go at him two games in when he's doing the job that he's being told to do. We understand the anger, Brian, but mm. he's not necessarily the person to direct it. I mean, what we know from the previous ownership that at times you and I would get the anger of, of Blues fans. And I'm not saying woe is me about it, but I understand it in that they could they could reach out to us on social media and make their opinions known. Uh, and you know, I think Tom Wagner was rattled as well at the whole game. By the, the level of the anger in front of the director's box as well. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, you mentioned David Beckham there. He, uh, he gave gave the uh, the world and the human body the metatarsal, didn't he? So he's uh, something of a front runner <laughs> in, in in that respect. Uh, Paul Drinkwater, I, uh, the four three three was ineffective. Um, I assume Paul's talking about uh, the Southampton game, nullifying Dembele, who looked lost. Uh, also playing through balls over the top to Duke. Pace is not his forte. Midfield split out too wide. Felt so many players not sure. Got to return to four two three one and get Mayashi and Stansfield in there. Now there's a lot to go out there, um, Rich. Uh, it was a four three four three three, but as we said um, before we came on, I think it sort of they spent a lot of time in four five one, didn't they? Because that, that, yeah. that was the set that was the setup out of possession, of which there was plenty of that. Um, Duke Duke is the lone striker midfield too wide. Um, got to go back to the four-two-three-one. Pick the yeah. pick any of the Look, bones out of that that you fancy. L Lucas as a lone striker is not necessarily ideal, but if you surround him with pace, you've got an opportunity. And the, there had been occasions in the games against Middlesbrough and Hull where they got in a good wide position, so there's nobody to deliver a ball into. Uh, and they did get the goal by actually going long and using Djokovic as a target man. Dembele did look a little bit lost. It, it was his least impressive performance of the mm. season. Uh, but I think he gets frustrated at himself when he tries a couple of things and they don't come off. Funnily enough, Oli Burke thrived in it. Now, Oli Burke has put together two really decent performances. Uh, and you know, I think there were certain limitations about his end product. That could improve. Clearly, we all know he was unlucky not to win a penalty. But some players have done better than others. And actually, there was less of a disconnect in terms of what the midfield three were doing. We mentioned it earlier in this pod today. Uh, I think Jordan James understood his role really well uh, and will get better at it if he plays there regularly. And Sunic was a bit better. Felix steady, although he got frustrated in the second half 
and then was annoyed to get taken off. But he'd been down on the deck a couple of times. So I think Wayne yeah. Rooney thought it was time. But I think most of the points that have been made there are about right. What we're not going to see, I don't think, is a switch to 4-2-3-1, even though the personnel that Wayne Rooney has got available clearly suit that system better. Yeah, it'd be very easy to pick a 4-2-3-1 and feel reasonably comfortable about it, wouldn't it? But um, I suspect that's harking back to a happier time. Um, CK Watt, now this is, uh, in my view, really harsh. It's, it's aimed at, um, at Dion Sanderson. Where is Captain AWOL? Sanderson needs to have a good think about the role and what he wants from it, because at the moment he is not Captain Material. Um, are we seeing a little bit there of... Uh, of the anger directed at the captain, we just you just mentioned it being directed at the at the, uh, at the manager. Is is Sanderson next in line for a bit of stick? I mean, maybe so. He's having to make the same adjustments as other players are, and with players around him who haven't been that comfortable with it, uh, which is difficult. I think he could stand to be a little bit more vocal. He's the sort of guy who leads by example. I do think he's captain material. I can understand why he was pretty much picked as captain as they were recruiting him from Wolves during the course of the summer. I think it was inevitable in the pre-season when they were hedging their bets, who's going to be captain, who's going to be captain. Clearly, it was going to be Dion. There is leadership elsewhere on the pitch. The likes of, of John Ruddy, Christian Bielit, Lucas Djukovic will provide some of that for him. But, but I think Dion is just perhaps struggling with the transition. I think he will be fine, by the way, going forward yeah. in terms of being a capable of playing with the ball on the ground. When everybody else is used to it, I don't think Dion will stand out. I think you know we've seen him... Very, very good at times coming out of defence over the course of the last 18 months. But I think it's, it's, it's unsettling as he and the others learn their roles. Yeah, I absolutely think that there was there was much more wrong with Blues at Middlesbrough and against Hull than a rousing cap speech from their captain. Um, yeah. And, you, you know, you often find that if a team isn't functioning, that plays out in front, in front you know, in, in, in attack and midfield. That really has its consequences uh, it, with the central defenders, doesn't it? Because because it's it's at that point where the wave laps laps up the beach and breaks, um, and and you know, yeah. Dion and Long were very much in 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 the sort of the, in in the right don't get me the wrong. Wrong place at the wrong time for that. Yeah, don't get me wrong. I mean, when they went two down against Hull, and then there was no reaction, they they did need a rocket from somebody on the pitch. Yeah, I would accept yeah. that they really did need a rocket from somebody on the pitch because there was still ten minutes of football left, including added time. Uh, and, and you've got to at least have a go at it again in front of your own fans. And yet they just waved the white flag, didn't they, at that point? Yeah, they did. And that, and that was one thing that Rooney was most unhappy about, you know, that, mm. those last 10 minutes against Hull. Yeah, they were pretty pretty bereft. Um, one from Venno, 1983. How interested are we in Joseph Martinez? Seems an old link to me, as both Maxi Lopez and Paul Richardson follow him on Instagram. Blast from the past there. Goal scoring record can't be sniffed at, and he can't be worse than we've got currently. Um, Josef Martinez, with apologies to um, to, to any uh, Spanish speakers uh, in the room at the moment, uh, in, ter in terms of uh, pronunciation. Heard anything about Martinez, Rich? It just strikes me as, you know, maybe, you know, Rooney might have said something nice about him in when he was in the MLS, and, yeah. and you know, as... as, as as uh, Venno said there, uh, you know, a historical link. It feels like a bit of a flyer. The only thing you would say is he is a free agent. So if they are going to try and do anything in terms of bringing in a striker, he fits that profile. And there are a lot of games to go between now and January the 1st. Yeah. Uh, and having a better number nine option would be something that they would benefit from. It, but it, it was my, you know, single bullet that actually changes things in the right direction. It is having a more capable number nine. 
I just think financially people are forgetting the constraints that Birmingham City are under. Yeah. I keep on reading people saying, oh, well, of course, Blues spent big this summer. Well, they brought a lot of players in, but they didn't spend big. They spent astutely, and that's what they've still got to do. So whether they could afford his wages, I think I'd query that. Yeah, that, that would be my take as well on that one. Uh, you know, we're possibly all waiting for the promised land of, uh, of, um, of next June when the big earners come off the books. Um, mm. But then... You know, even even that might be slightly naive uh, because there's no way the budget, just from an FFP point of view, there's no way the budget will be the same. It can't be as big. Now, what's happened since no. then is obviously the markets, the pandemic's come and the, the, the market has fallen, fallen out in terms of champ, championship wages. Um, yeah. But I don't necessarily think you get rid of those five players, you free up, let's say, £120,000 a week. I don't know that that necessarily is immediately replaced by 10 players on you know half half as much money each no although they clear the worst year in that it's a three-year cycle they clear the worst year away this yeah. summer and also they should find that their takings and the money that's coming into the club has increased yeah, over yeah, the course of this yeah. year particularly with the ground you know very close now to being fully open again so that will make a real difference as well. There is going to be a little bit more money coming into the pot. They've talked a lot about wanting to draw money in, in other ways, whether it's corporate or whatever, and all this brand awareness that they're doing at the moment, as much as it may have scuppered the football, at least briefly, it's something that they're pushing forward with. And you know, off the field, they're doing an awful lot of things really, really well. So I think that there is going to be the opportunity to invest. It's about doing it well, but it won't come till next summer. Yeah, indeed. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, the other side of that FFP coin is indeed the revenue and the income, isn't it? So, yeah, you make yeah. you make a good point there. Uh, I'm sure I'm not going to pronounce this one right, but Bengis, Bengs, Benjus, um, from Twitter says uh, need to get some of the injured players back. Having to turn to Hoke, to Hogan, Duke, Gardner, Robert, Sunich. Is there any wonder why we still struggle against the top sides? Um, yeah, I mean, of the injured players, you'd absolutely. You'd stick George Hall straight back in, wouldn't you? Yeah, you, you would. It may take him time because he's now lost an awful lot of football. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's put on some muscle over the course of the summer as well from the brief spell that we saw him uh, get back into the first team before his second injury. But George Hall, in this system, I'm not sure what he is. Uh, I presume he's yeah. going to play off the side of the front three, uh, whereas probably he was developing as a natural 10 in a 4-2-3-1. Uh, I mean, there are other ways that, that they could utilise him. But uh, getting him back, getting Lee Buchanan back, uh, Ethan Laird now we see is, is getting very, very close. Um, don't quite know where Tyler Roberts fits in all this as well, but he actually could emerge as, as potentially one of the better options they've got as a number nine if and when they get him fit. I mean, we saw 70, 75 minutes at Swansea on the opening day, and since then he's he's not been seen anywhere other than on the odd photo on the training ground. Yeah, indeed. I'd actually forgotten about Tyler Roberts. You, you, if you throw him into the uh, the options up front, then you, you're right. He brings something different. So, yeah, absolutely. Listen, choices, choice and options is never a bad thing. Not least from the point of view of it enables you to rest players and keeps them motivated in terms of competitions for places. So you make a good point now, Jake. Um, uh, um, sorry, uh, Jake's the next one. Uh, Jake. Robert's getting the nod over Long off the off the bench, only to be caught napping for the third goal. Will Long be the first casualty under Rooney, or is he just assessing, assessing all of his options? Uh, I think yes is the answer to that one. Kevin Long does look like a Rooney casualty. Do you agree? Um, it's not going to be an easy fit, is it? Because he does won't suit the style of play. He is a great stopper. 
is what he yeah. is. I think he's been exceptional this year. Took him three or four games to get himself fit in January. And after that, you know, match fit, match sharp. But after that, I think he's been terrific for Blues. I was pleased when he came back uh, for, for the full season, having spent the summer pondering other options. But but he's not going to be an easy fit. And, and yet, he gives that sort of solidity that any team needs. You know, you've got to be solid at the back to be able to play the way that they want to play. So I think he's very unfortunate. But I'm, anybody's trying to blame Mark Roberts for the third goal. They could be blaming three other people before that. Yeah. Not least Manny Longello with a really weak challenge at the far post. You know, the, the, the Southampton players shouldn't be winning that header. Yeah. Um, and, and then, OK, Roberts, he's trying to get a block in and he's just slightly beaten to the ball. But, you know, the, the, the anti-Roberts agenda is probably not one that people need to be visiting just at the moment. I mean, strangely enough, he will be more comfortable on the ball than some of the other options that Wayne Rooney's got as well. Stop the cross, for heaven's sake. Um, and, the, and the last one um, from Ant, BCFC 4812. Uh, second half on Saturday was encouraging. Ivy looked decent. Um, got to get behind Rooney in the, and the squad even more so at the minute whilst we're struggling. was good to be in the away end on Saturday and seeing the backing Rooney got. Uh, that was something that stuck out for me on Saturday. Uh, and yeah, yeah, that that yeah. that was that was good to see because you know as difficult and 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 as infuriating these last last few weeks have been, it's not made easier by aggro from the stands. No, it isn't. And it was it was very much present, clear, and obvious at the start of the game that the away fans were determined to give Rooney a bit of a boost and a bit of a shot in the arm. And they stayed with it throughout the course of the 90 minutes as well. It was you know, the, the support was absolutely outstanding. And on the road, that tends to be the case. If the away yeah. fans start to turn at Birmingham City, you know a manager has got a bit of a deeper problem than, than what they're going through just at the moment. We can all sit here and say we all remember last time around when when the change was made at the time it was and the new manager came in and we've avoided mentioning the the four letters of the Italian surname at any point in today's pod so I think I think we should be proud of that. Well, I think I might have slipped one in. Did you? Okay. I think I might have done. Uh, yeah. But 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 what Rooney needs more than anything else, however it comes, is a win. Uh, it took months under that particular Italian. <laughs> it, it needs to only take weeks. For Wayne Rooney because the players were increasing confidence and you could see them when they got the goal back at Southampton they then made life uncomfortable for the Saints for the next 20 minutes yeah. where Russell Martin was starting to get a bit agitated and you could see they were starting to believe in some of the things that they're trying to do and it's going to be a drip 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 but it really really helps if you get some points on the board and the players will say okay well that works mm. and at the moment they haven't quite had that. That goal a monumental uh a, a, a statue to Route One football, but um, yes, you, the, yeah. point, the, the, point, the point you make is a good one, Richard. Thank you very much for your time. I've eaten eaten enough into your day, so I really appreciate you join, joining us. Just tell everybody where they can find you and 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 your work and uh, your, the, the station's commentaries, please. Yeah, well, you, you'll you'll hear us on BBC Radio WM Blues games either on ninety five point six FM or very often on DAB in Birmingham and the football phone in every weekday night from six o'clock. We've had more Blues fans on this season, a lot of new names coming on the phone in this year. You are very, very welcome to talk about your football club. The more Blues fans on, the happier I am. Brilliant. Thank you very much for your time, Richard, and thank everyone else for, for their interest and for listening along. Um, and all it remains for me to say is keep right on. Mm-hmm.